When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burroughs, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If you want to listen to that regularly, go to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. And subscribe, because when you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. YouTube.com, search up A to Z, and you can see the show in all of its glory with graphics, sometimes videos, sometimes pictures that we post up. We used pictures last week. Unfortunately, too much to talk about this week to include pictures. We'll get there. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports.com to see all of the sad things that we have to write about Tennessee baseball. Let's get to it. Tennessee rubber match with Notre Dame to make it to the College World Series on Sunday afternoon. And the Volunteers lose 7-3. to three. Tennessee's baseball season is over. My sadness is immense. I am inconsolable, Zach. Please make me feel better. What's up, man? Uh, I wish I could, but I'm still kind of in a shocked state, I guess you'd say. Uh, I, I watched the game, you know, just like everyone else yesterday, and on Friday, I was a little nervous after Notre Dame won the first game. I thought, okay, Tennessee's kind of not taking Notre Dame seriously, maybe. Uh, Notre Dame's just really pumped up for this series. I don't know, but this is terrible start, not a good sign for the rest of the series. And then Tennessee has the big win on Saturday, and it eased every concern I had. I was like, okay, this is the Tennessee that we've seen all season. This is going to be just fine. So on Sunday, I never really considered – that Tennessee might lose. Uh, when they got up early, 3-1, felt like a pretty big lead, even though it wasn't. It just felt like, okay, they're going to keep adding on. This is going to be another blowout game. They're going to cruise to Omaha. Never considered that it that it might not turn out that way on Sunday. So the game was over. I kind of just sat there just in disbelief. Like, is this, this team's really not going to Omaha? This maybe – the best college baseball team we've ever seen is not going to the college world series. And how is that possible? I was just stunned, completely stunned. I'm still stunned. And just the way that it ended also just, it wasn't without a fight, but it was quick. And Notre Dame just put Tennessee out of its misery, just real 
bang, bang, you're down by four runs. Don't even, don't worry about it. This game's over. Like, it it was the way that it went more than anything. Like, if it, if it was a one-run game, Tennessee has the, you know, the winning run on second and you're at the edge of your seat and then Notre Dame just makes that play that seals it. And you, you would go, <sighs> it was right there. Should have just won it, whatever. But you're down by four runs and, like, a double play at the end there. Like, just how is that the way that this went? That was what sh- shocked me more than anything. How is that the way that this went, right? I was just like, this is, it was the only game from this entire season that went that way. We went 60 plus games. None of them went like that. No, I, I mean, was there another one that I'm not thinking of that was like that where a team actually kind of ran it up on Tennessee a little bit. And then Tennessee just impotently went out without like a re- making much noise. Like it didn't matter across the board in any game. Tennessee had the, you know, the wild comeback at Florida, had had a couple other games that were like that where uh, the the game against Georgia Tech where he came back in the ninth inning like this was that team's mo was right at the end even when they went down four three I kind of said look Tennessee needs to score that's what this team does you're you're down four three you're probably going to win this game seven four like that was kind of my assumption you're going to pour on a few runs in the seventh or the eighth or the ninth and then Tennessee's going to move on because this is what they do it's at home it's a Lindsey Nelson like I wasn't even worried at that point it was unfortunate. And, and it sucked because Burns' outing was great up to that point. But I was just like, all right, they'll just get it together. This Maybe that's a little shock to the system that Tennessee needed in this game to wake them up, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll roll them here in the last couple of innings. And it just never happened. It, like I said, it was, it was a kind of game that happened one time this entire season, and it just so happened to be the game that was the rubber match for the College World Series. And it just is... Oh, Zach... We've, I mean, we talked, we've talked about it so much. Like it's, it, it feels so Tennessee. It just, I hate to say that, but does it not just add to the, the psychological torture that has been the last 15 years? It's terrible. It's very easy to make that conclusion. And it's this, I mean, I think it's the way pretty much all Tennessee fans felt after that loss, at least if they're being honest with themselves, it's, here we go again. Great team. Come up short. Can't finish it off. We've seen it. The 2016 football team, the basketball a couple of times over the last few years, some of the great teams that Rick Barnes has had, they don't do well in the tournament. Kind of follows that same narrative, but really this isn't something that's unique to Tennessee. I mean, I, I think we all saw the stat yesterday that they, the number one team in the country hasn't reached or, or won the national championship since, what, 1999 when Miami did it so this is something that is common in college baseball we talked about it throughout the season to some extent that you know anything can happen in June you 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 just that's just the way baseball goes and when you're the number one team in the country you play with the bravado that Tennessee played with this year you're going to get every other team's best shot and for Notre Dame I mean this was I'm not going to say this was their World Series because they actually are going to the College World Series and have a chance to to win it all, and, and they look like they might. I mean, they're a really good team. Yeah. They have good pitching. They have good bats. Uh, they're getting hot at the right time. They got a lot of momentum. It wouldn't surprise me if they if they leave Omaha winning it all. I mean, you just don't know. But they were definitely up for this series. I mean, they knew the who they were playing. They knew the history 
They knew the season, how it had gone, the reputation that Tennessee carried into this weekend, the Super Regional. And, and I think that's probably something that happens with a lot of number one teams and why, you know, baseball is such a weird, funny sport where there, it, it's so much to do with momentum and just the vibe of the team. Like all these players are talented, but part of why Tennessee has been so great is because of the culture that Tony Vitello's created. Now that culture, I think, got him in trouble a little bit this weekend. I think, you know, we saw Drew Gilbert arguing the 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 strike call. It wasn't even – it was the first strike of the at-bat on Friday night. He gets ejected when he says some stuff to the umpire. I thought it was a little bit quick to uh, eject Gilbert based on what he saw said. He didn't really say anything personal at the umpire. He just said it was a, a terrible call, effing horrible call, and then he was gone. I mean, I felt like that was a quick hook. But at the same time, I think Gilbert's got to know in that situation – that wasn't a great call. Maybe you turn around to the umpire, you say, hey, was that it looked a little low and inside to me? What did you see? You know, you can you can you can do that. That's acceptable. And you do that in the right way. The umpire, I think, had a little bit of ego. I think Tennessee's reputation impacted that call a little bit. I think he was kind of went into that game knowing that if Tennessee did something like that, he was going to he was going to, you know, toss him. But Gilbert being out uh, heard about it on Saturday, but I think the the part that we don't really talk about is Frank Anderson, the pitching coach, getting ejected on Friday night. Also, I mean he he know he's got to know he can't run out onto the field in that situation, and that's that's not helping your team at all. He's he's suspended for the whole weekend because he's been ejected already this season, and I think that came into play some Sunday because if there's one criticism I have of Tennessee this weekend uh, as far as strategy goes it's the way tony vitello deployed the pitching on sunday i thought that he should have pulled chase burns after six innings and i know there's a lot of people i, I wrote about it and there's a lot of comments like well okay this is hindsight analysis and, and anybody can say that and that's true i get it but i kind of felt that way going into the seventh inning because it was his third time through the order analytics show cross baseball that that's that's a tough spot for a pitcher i mean you see mlb guys get pulled out of games five six innings in the playoffs because they don't want their pitcher facing the order uh for a third time opponents average usually goes up pretty significantly when, when that when that occurs the other thing is that burns only completed seven innings once this season he only went beyond six innings three times and got pulled in the seventh inning two of those times so it's not like he had a history of going seven innings and beyond uh, considering the situation, the strength of Tennessee's bullpen, you, you're not playing the next day. You don't really have to worry about saving arms or any of that. I mean, we didn't we didn't see Ben Joyce. We didn't see some of those arms that they that they have. And once Notre Dame got that momentum and stored in the seventh inning off Burns, even after the first home run, I felt you know pulling then the ground rule double home run. Clearly, they're seeing uh, they're seeing his pitch as well continued to, to go with him and, and Tennessee just got in a deep hole they couldn't get out of. It's tough for me to to criticize Tony Vitello. And I've I was surprised yesterday at how quick people were to criticize Tony Vitello. But there were some people on Twitter specifically that immediately went to this is Tony's fault and blah, 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 you know, really ripping him a new one. You're not even close to the situation that you are in without Tony Vitello. Let's start there. He he is the guy that built this roster, he has done a phenomenal job across the board. No baseball coach is going to be perfect in in-game coaching. 
there's so many factors in a baseball game where things can go wrong. In that situation, I I came away thinking I see it both ways. Baseball is very much a game of feel. And Burns is feeling it. He had an incredible outing uh, up to that point. Through six innings, he and he was coming off, I believe if I'm thinking correctly, coming off a one, two, three inning. Just a real clean bang, 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 three outs. He's coming off that in the sixth. And then going into the seventh, you're thinking, this is it. Like that was that was my thought. It's just like this is this is the end for him. He's wrapping up a really, really nice game. Then we'll throw in. I mean, who who came in after? Uh it Kirby, was I believe, came in to relieve Yeah. He? And Sewell. Um or was it Sewell first and then Kirby? Either way. Yeah. Um but I I am okay with leaving him in there. And he got two outs. The home runs happened with two outs. So he gets two outs and you're thinking, all right, here comes a third. Knock him out, and we're done here. You give up the home run, and and this is where I kind of go, all right, you should have just pulled him probably hindsight 2020. Because actually at the time, I even texted some friends of mine. He he gives up that home run, and it was a it was a fine pitch. The the pitch with the home run, and it barely squeaked into the corner. That's not a home run in a whole bunch of other stadiums as a home run because Lindsey Nelson is small and and it just squeaked right in there in a corner. It was a guy who had only hit one home run all year, just like a freak thing. And you go like, like I could even see the rationale there being like, all right, let's just stick with him. Let him write out this final out. We're tied. It's not great, but we're still going to win this game. I absolutely see that being the attitude. And then you give up the home run on the next. I, I would say I didn't see that coming. I thought that Burns would have just gotten that final out and and rolled. <sighs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda across the board. I have a hard time giving Tony Vitello a bunch of grief over this because, again, you're you're just you're not even close to this without Tony Vitello. He he is the the god king of Tennessee baseball right now. I'm just not, you know, in a magical season where you won the SEC regular season and an SEC ch- uh, tournament championship, and you had just done things that Tennessee baseball hasn't done in so long. The guy's not a bad coach. Let, let's. You make mistakes in a singular game, but the guy's a great coach. Like that's that's the bottom line that, that I walk away and I just go, yeah, you can woulda coulda shoulda all day long. But I I also go in that scenario. Tennessee needs to score more than four runs. Ultimately, you would have needed eight, uh, which is not an easy ask, but it's certainly something Tennessee has done on a bunch of different occasions this season. Make no mistake about that. Um, I mean, the the bats stunk it up in that game, and there's a lot to be said about that too in this analysis, but. I, I just, I can't lay it on Tony there. You know, he's, there's only so much that you can see and do. And and was Frank Anderson's absence a huge piece of that? You know, would Frank have pulled him at that point? You don't know. There's so so many unknowns in, in that way. So I just, you know, it's a tough loss and these things happen. Yeah. When I think about, okay, that I that I think Burns should have been pulled. I don't think that like Tony Vitello failing to do that indicates that he's some sort of bad coach or doesn't know baseball or doesn't have a great feel for the game. But ba- I mean, ma- great managers, some of the best managers of all time in Major League Baseball have been criticized for the for using a certain for making a certain bullpen move late in the game. I mean, ultimately, y- you really don't know how it's going to turn out. It's up to the player to execute pitches. It's up to the opposition to put together good at-bats. I mean, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. 
if that ball stays in the ballpark, that, that first home run, if he gets that out there, Vitello looks like a genius. Nobody's questioning anything, even if there was some loud contact. So I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think in any way that, okay, maybe he made the move that he should have done this instead of that, but it, it's just baseball. It just happens. It's not It's not an indictment of anybody as a coach or, or, or how they are going to manage the game going forward. I mean, you're right. The only reason they're there is because of Tony Vitello. He did an incredible job of building this team, uh, of keeping the, the, the morale at the right place at the right level all season long. I think what we did see on Sunday was the first time this year that Tennessee was really pressing in their at-bats. Like they were just, oh, yeah. especially late in the game, those bat at-bats just weren't as competitive as what we typically see from Tennessee. Just some like, it was the first time I felt like they felt that pressure. And, and it's because they knew what was on the line. Like, hey, this magical season is going to come to an end if we don't put up four or five runs right here. And then all of a sudden, if you're in that mindset, it's really hard to to really stay loose and 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 come through and execute in, in those at bats. It's it's crazy to say, and this is I'm I'm not putting any blame on any singular player for this game, but it's crazy to say like a more level head from Drew Gilbert would have been good in this scenario. He tries to steal second, really not smartly. In the terrible, eight, terrible, like yes, and yeah. the inning, you're down four. You you go base to base in that situation. The and, outs and he, are too valuable, and and it's what you're saying. They were pressing. They, he's he's thinking, I gotta I gotta get into scoring position. I get this is urgent. You know we're we're behind. This is crazy. Down by four, we got to score, and he makes a mistake. And that's the same with his throw from center field when he threw behind the runner. Now that ended up uh, working out that circus play where he, the, the runner gets thrown out at third base. Fortunately for Tennessee, you know, that your left fielder makes a good throw there, but he should have never thrown behind that runner. I went back and watched that play several times. The runner took a hard turnaround first. If that runner would have decided to go back to first, he would have beat Gilbert's throwback because it, well, one, it wasn't a great throw at all, but two, he, he would have got back to first safely and he made a decision. As soon as he saw Gilbert let go of the ball, he instantly took off for second, forcing another bad throw. And that was kind of when Gilbert tried to steal second, he hesitated big time. So there's a big difference there in the base running between Notre Dame and Tennessee yesterday as well. Tennessee's fielding in general was suspect, I would say. I mean, Notre Dame was just trying to steal all bases all the time. They were moderately successful got picked off a couple of times but i i don't i don't blame this it was a smart move on their part obviously they won seven to three you know what they did worked um and they had the, the lead at that point you can kind of you know you can kind of take some some risk when you're in that situation if yeah you have the lead put pressure on the other team which is what they were doing i mean there's so many things that you can go hindsight 2020 on and go why did they do that I hate to chalk it up to this, and we said this at, before the tournament ever started. The only thing that could really bring down this Tennessee team is just like that's baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball's weird. Like that's, and it turns out realistically that that was it. The bats went cold, and the fielding was terrible all in one day. And it just happened to be the most important game of the year. <laughs> like, just shoot me in the face. I mean, that's if that's not the most Tennessee of Tennessee things, I, I don't know what could be. Um, 
and and so it it is another in a long line of of crushing disappointments but here's here's a question i had planned on making this kind of the overarching theme of this discussion about the baseball team and and this loss how do you view this season cuz you you can say well the goal was a national championship and they failed but was the season a quote unquote failure it's too i i think you know what i mean by that it's two different things what what is your take at a almost 1000 foot view here yeah i don't i don't see the season as a failure at all i think when your goal is a national championship across the major sports football basketball and baseball i think success is defined very differently in each of those sports football it's it's harder to win a national championship but at the same time it it's i don't know it's more black and white i mean the best team usually wins the national championship in college football the team that is the best all year long typically almost always wins or one of the top two teams at least like you're not going to see these one because of the format but you're never going to see these cinderella teams like a even if the playoff expands, you're not going to see the 20th ranked team in the country knock off number one Georgia or whatever. So that's a little different. If you're Alabama and you set out to win a national championship and you make the Sugar Bowl, big disappointment. Uh, college basketball is a lot, like, a lot like college baseball. The best team doesn't always necessarily win. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Like you get to, we've talked about it before with Rick Barnes, you get to the Elite Eight, Final Four. I mean, that's that's kind of your goal every year and then whatever ha- happens. I think baseball is kind of similar. I think your goal is to get to the College World Series. Winning a national championship, there's just too many factors that that go into that, that, that have to happen, that things have to go your way, whether it's an ejection, a calling umpire mates that you have no control over. There's just so many factors that go into it, so many ways to lose a baseball game, so many ways. I think the season was a wild success. I mean, you brought – tons of attention to the sport on a national level and we talked about it before how many uh baseball social media accounts are tweeting about tennessee and posting about tennessee tons of attention not just the tennessee but the sport in general it was a fun year i mean this is usually a dead time of year but from february late february until early june we were just transfixed by tennessee baseball and it was fun it was a fun journey i've always said Baseball is more about the journey of the season than the actual final result. So, you know, some team that 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 wasn't that was kind of middle of the road is going to end up winning this thing this year. And they're not; they weren't whoever whatever team that is wasn't the best team in college baseball year. That best team was Tennessee, regardless of what happened this past weekend. We are very much on the same page as far as this conversation goes. You, you made a, a lot of the points that that I will also I it was a season that set Tennessee in a position that this Tennessee baseball program has effectively never been in it took it took the program into a stratosphere that is really rarefied air and and really uh one like I said one that has never been seen with Tennessee baseball like they they have never been this relevant. You had people writing things during the season, not just saying, oh, this is this the best college baseball team of all time, blah, 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 blah. But saying things like having such a 
divisive but powerful team is great for the sport of college baseball. You had those sort of takes where like this Tennessee team is elevating college baseball as a whole because it's appointment television. You want to watch them to see their antics and to see the things that they do. And and they they as much love as the team got, they got that much hate also. And they were this really polarizing kind of phenomenon and you can never take that away. That's not a championship, but it's just true. And, and the main thing with that is that it pays dividends in the future because you established yourself in a way that is extremely visible to recruits, to transfers, and building for the future. You had a, an amazing set of seniors that, that sadly, uh, you know, that there's a decent chunk of these guys that are going to be gone, but the set of players coming in and the set of players that are returning is phenomenal. You got uh, uh, Maui Ahuna, the sh- uh, shortstop from Kansas. He's going to be coming in. Tennessee is very much in the running for uh, the, the kid from NC State, uh, uh, White. Yeah. What's Tom. the kid's? Tommy White. Tommy, Tommy White. Tommy. Um, and th- I mean, you, t- you talk about it. you make those two additions is two of the best players in America coming into Tennessee next year on top of the solid recruiting class that they have on top of the great set of players that are returning. Chase Dolander coming back. He was the best pitcher in the SEC this year. Chase Burns coming back. He'll only get better. Like all of these guys, Drew Beam coming back. He'll only get better. Blake Burke. <laughs> Bla- oh, Blake Burke. I mean, that kid's going to hit a hundred home runs for Tennessee next year. Like it. The the foundation is set here, and you go, worst case scenario, this is just a learning curve. Like, Tony Vitello, how many coaches ever have been under the kind of pressure that Tony Vitello was under this year? It It's an insane situation. And, it, you know, when you're fighting that, like, best team of all time and all of this pressure and having to manage that with these guys, and there's guys on the team that have big egos and a lot of bravado and all these things, and, like, He's in that position, not to give him an excuse. You still lost for sure. You did not win a national championship, and that's a disappointment. You didn't even make the College World Series, which makes it a particular disappointment. But you won the SEC. You won the SEC tournament. You did things this team's never done, and you set a foundation that is phenomenal and I think is setting Tennessee on a path to be essentially a superpower in college baseball if it is managed correctly and that, how am I going to go and say, oh, that's a failure? That's not a failure. That is not a failure in the slightest. It's disappointing. I wanted to win a national championship more, you know, more than anything right now in, in sports. I want that so badly. But you're going to be competitive for a national championship for years going forward. Like, this team is not going to drop off a cliff next year. I think there, there's an argument to be made that it could be just as good. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a station later on the you know, closer next season but like there's a ton to be hopeful about there's a ton to be proud of and to take away and and i'm just not going to walk away and be like oh this sucks we should have won a national championship i'm pissed off and blah, blah. no it's a great year and i i can't believe i as much of a pessimist as i tend to be I will i will certainly walk away from this season thinking fondly of it as as disappointing as that was yeah, I mean, this could very easily be a situation because, like you mentioned, the, the program's in great shape moving forward. You got great players on the roster. You, I mean, you're losing a lot of great talent. Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, Ortega, Lipscomb, 
Potentially, uh, Tidwell. He's, he's kind of on the fence, but yeah, yeah I, I think he'll be probably be drafted. Well, either way, probably. you're losing a, a lot of talent, but you got yeah. a lot. You know, you got the guy, the Ahuna uh, from Kansas coming in. Like you said, great, great talent already on the roster. This could be a situation where kind of like 1997 and 98 with football, where that 97 team with Peyton Manning, they lose to Florida. They don't really get a shot at the national championship. It's kind of a disappointment. Peyton's gone. Your big star is gone, and then T. Martin comes in the next year and, and leads the team to a national championship. I mean, maybe next year's team, the regular season isn't quite as impressive as this year, but they, they get to Omaha and, and they get hot at the right time. I mean, it's going to be just as likely that they win a national championship next year as it was this year, I think, because the talent's going to be there just almost about the same. Yeah, it's it's all there, and the – you never know about like team dynamics like this that, year. Yo, that's huge. Yeah. Led, led by a couple of guys who were, what, what's the right word? I, I It sounds derogatory, but like hotheads. I mean, they, they were guys who are in your face, Honcho, Gilbert, like those dudes are, are gonna, you know, scream at you and spit in your face. Like they are just those type of dudes. And you, uh, like you said, they're, they are likely gone, even though they're both juniors, I believe they, technically could return but they oh yeah but they I mean Beck and Beck and Gilbert are projected first round and they're yeah, very they good gone. And, and they should should go get their money and it's a smart yeah. move on their part to do that um, same, same with uh, uh Ben Joyce is being projected like last time yeah. I saw third round which is you know but really based on the uncertainty surrounding him is what his future in baseball is is he a starter is a relief pitcher but potential alone he's getting drafted Probably, Absolutely. you know, going to be in, in a, on a minor league team in, in the next year or so. Yeah, for sure. But just you you shift those pieces around and does does it then fall to Blake Burke? Does it fall to who, whoever it might be that is in that more senior position to lead that team? Maybe some of these transfers coming in, uh, you know, can can be those guys. You never know with those team dynamics. It can be disastrous on one hand. Mm-hmm. I think with Tony Vitello being the guy that he is, that's something that he's really excelled at in his entire time at Tennessee. I think he can make a team meld like that. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. Do you think there's a scenario where Vitello sees what happened this year? Uh, You know, he probably, he let, he he let the team play pretty loose. He didn't really clamp down on them and their celebrations, anything like that, which I, you know, I love, but watching the kind of sidetrack here, but Watching the the regionals and the super regionals, the stuff that Tennessee does was not that different from what a lot of other teams do. I mean, you see a lot of the same kind of emotion from these other I know teams. I mean, you saw Notre Dame's little home run celebration that they have is no different than Gilbert running out there and, and jumping. And I, I it's just because they were so good, I guess, this year that people just really enjoyed hating on them. But I I didn't see anything just that out of line or anything that really maybe Jordan Beck flipping off the outfielder, but aside from that, but do you think there's like, based on what happened with Drew Gilbert uh, on Friday night, do you think Vitello tones it down any next year? Or do you think he kind of goes with the same vibe uh, next season? I hope not because I, I think for one thing, the the two guys that were the most over the top are going to be leaving. Um, and that's, that's one factor. Because I think it's such a huge part of the whole formula with mm-hmm. what's working at Tennessee is letting them be loosey goosey. Like yeah. that is a massive piece in the in the equation. So please don't don't turn into Tim Corbin. Don't be the drill sergeant. Because uh, that's 
Did you see uh, the tweet from Danny Canale uh, yesterday after Tennessee oh, God, lost? What a loser. Yeah, me, me and him had a little back and forth yesterday. Oh, did you? I, I missed yeah, that. We, we did. I, I called him I called him the biggest loser. Then I said, you're an idiot anymore. So really, you're not in media. You're just the biggest loser on this website. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think I probably did see what he said. But what were, what were you going to refer to? Oh, where he said, uh, congrats, Tennessee baseball in a great season. So many memorable moments. Flipping opponents off, rounding the bases. Coach getting tossed for chest bumping the umpire. I completely forgot about that. Crying over balls and strikes. Something every single baseball team in the history of the sport has done. And, of course, so many pimped out bat flips. What a legacy. Again, we see plenty of bat flips in baseball these days. What an absolute impotent, absolute. Lose. like loser is the correct word just sad because he i mean the thing that i was going back and forth with him on is that he was like he's somebody asked him like what would you do if if a batter did this in front of you and it was jordan beck with the slam in the bat on the ground mm-hmm. he said i would beam him on the next pitch or whatever drill him on the next pitch like I, oh, okay. I think i did see some of that so so much more classy yeah to them with a baseball than to just let them celebrate a home run in your face. Like, how, how about you don't let them hit a home run on you? How about you throw a better pitch yeah, and they don't exactly. hit a home run? I've never understood. Throw, like, okay, if you're, if, if, if you're a baseball team and your star player gets, like they're throwing inside, your star player gets hit maybe maybe twice or something, you're probably going to retaliate and throw at one of their guys. That's just kind of a, one of those unwritten rules in baseball. You don't brag about it you just got there and do it usually some benches clear it's we've seen it a ton but throwing it a guy the guy after somebody hits a home run i will never in my life understand that it's just like when when gilbert got hit in the regional after jordan beck hit a big home run it's like what what are we doing why just don't you served up the home run i mean that's on you yeah. you can't blame him you don't it's, want him to celebrate strike him out sit him down i mean otherwise you got to deal with it it's so much worse to give up a home run and then then petulantly throw at a kid. Go like, mm, I just, that hurt my feelings. My tummy doesn't feel good, and then I'm gonna yeah. throw at the next batter. You loser! What it's what a lame response. And then to just not give up a home run, <laughs> like that's so stupid. I and and the and the whole thing. Like there were other fan bases. I would say actually the. The chirping from other fan bases, just because the most vocal fan bases, Arkansas was really the only one that made it into the College World Series out of the fan bases that have hated Tennessee this season. Vandy fans have tried to say stuff, but you can basically just return and be like, we beat you four times and you lost in the regional. Like, shut up. Nobody cares. And so it really wasn't that bad. But like somebody tweeted me yesterday and they were like, this is karma. Karma? Karma? Since when is it a bad thing to put out into the universe a celebration for a thing you did? Why is that? Who thinks that's a bad thing? I did a cool thing. I'm going to celebrate. Karma has to come and attack me now? Okay, so what what kind of karma is Vandy putting out in the world for them to lose in the regional? That's karma. (laughs) I mean, what did they do? You know? Was it it karma for them checking the the bad and, you know, the whole thing to see karma? They had to pay the the piper for for that. Like, what are you talking about? Mm. Karma. I I hope Tennessee hits ninety two home runs on every team in the SEC next year and throws the bat at the head of the pitcher. I don't care. Like, well, obviously, you know, I'm being exaggerative, mm. but you know what I mean. 
Like, I hope they bat flip to the moon on every single home run they ever hit because it's baseball and it's a game and it's supposed to be fun. Stop being the fun police, you absolute losers. Nobody wants to hear it. You only say it because Tennessee is better than the team that you root for. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. so and I, That's one of the best comments I saw on social media after the loss yesterday. Somebody was complaining about you know opposing fans and this and that. I can't remember who it was, but they pointed out like nobody was talking trash about Tennessee baseball in 2018 or 2019 or 2017 when Vitello first got hired. Like this means that Tennessee's doing something right. The more chirping you hear from opposing fan bases, the more it means that Tennessee's doing something right. So as we've said many times on this show, embrace the hate. It, it's a good thing. Uh, dive all the way into it and just keep on moving in that same direction because it's. Tennessee fans have a us against the world mentality. The rest of the other fan bases kind of give Tennessee fans a reason to have that mentality. They so embrace it, go with it. I love it so much, and I never want it to stop. Like, please have teams that stunt every year because it's so fun, and it and it just perfectly fits the attitude of Tennessee and its fans, like you're saying there. Like, it, it is the perfect match with Tennessee fans. We are the trash talkers, even when things aren't that good. <laughs> Tennessee, we're trash talkers. And so just please, please don't ter- take a turn into, uh, oh, well, we have to be more respectful now. We have to, the unwritten rules of baseball. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Please don't spare me that nonsense. Uh, But otherwise, there's a ton to unpack here. Just I I don't even want to get into the psychology of like, oh, it's a Tennessee thing that happened. You know, that's that's just tired at this point. Tennessee will break through with another national championship at some point in some major sport. It will happen again. Make no mistake. This it doesn't only happen to Tennessee. Uh, these things happen in sports and, you know, you come back, you get back up, dust yourself off and we'll be back next year. Cause you, you won an sec championship. You still get to buy a t-shirt and, and get to brag about that. So there's at least that. And then well, like just- I said, real quick before, before we move on, it's the, the championship falling short of that is disappointing. But the fact that you had these three months of just fun, like you can't take that away. And, and I would, I don't know. Obviously, you want the national championship, but I, I can't imagine trading these past three, three and a half months for anything. Like it was, no. it was enjoy. It was so enjoyable to watch them play. Uh, it, it was the most fun I've had watching college baseball ever, without a doubt. And and that's something that that nobody can take away. So, you know, don't don't get too down about it because it was it was a fun season, a memorable season, one that nobody will ever ever forget. And here, here's something to be happy about. You have to know that ESPN is beside themselves that Tennessee got knocked out because <laughs> you know what they were relying on? Tennessee being in the College World Series for ratings because who's going to watch Oregon State and Stanford play in the final? You know, uh, I think they were they were banking on the balls. Uh, and so there's at no, least no that. doubt we, we can know that ESPN will be sad in this scenario. So. Um, no apologies to ESPN. They don't deserve it. They're terrible. And so um, with that said, anything else with baseball? And then we'll we'll finish with uh, 
a little bit of football talk, some actual, some more uh, good good things that happen in general. I think this could actually be a somewhat optimistic podcast. Um, but anything with baseball that you wanted to mention that we may not have? No, it's, it's it's very possible that that Tennessee will lose one of their best coaches and Josh Elander. It, it would not shock me if he's a head coach somewhere next season. Really great baseball mind. Has a really great feel for the game. Tony Vitello uh, relied on him a lot, which any good manager or baseball coach will do. You got to have conversations with the people around you and surround yourself with great people. Uh, that That's part of being successful in baseball is listening to other ideas, looking at things a different way. Josh Elander was kind of that voice for Vitello, and I imagine a lot of other programs are going to kind of want to want to replicate. They might hate on Tennessee, but they would love to replicate what Tennessee's done. So that that would be uh, a big loss for Tennessee. But it's just something that happens when you play at a high level. Anytime you're good, it's it's like Saban. He loses like every assistant coach he has every offseason. Mm-hmm. Just part part of the game. Um, but speaking of uh, football related things. Uh, some stuff happened with Tennessee recruits in particular. We're still still not quite to the point uh, of talking about actual football analysis where we're going to, you know, who who's on the defensive line, offensive line? What are the wide receivers? What are we thinking about? But that's coming up. And, and I thank you. Shout out to Tennessee baseball. They got us almost there. If they would have made it through the College World Series, we would have only been a few weeks away from from fall. Uh, camp but um still it's not going to be a super long off season but let's do talk recruiting in the meantime uh nico e al maliaba was at a seven on seven tournament over the weekend five-star quarterback commit to the university of tennessee and zach you wrote about this some what what happened what was notable there yeah, uh, he was at the the event in Las Vegas, and and on threes, Charles Power, who I guess covers recruiting for them, had a had a nice write up about him from this weekend, and really, I don't know, it just made me feel even more confident in in Nico because I've kind of thought about this, like there's so much hype surrounding him being the guy, the recruit that received eight million dollars allegedly, just the hype surrounding him, it, it's everything's been pretty much focused on that, like the financial aspect of it. But it's like, okay, how good is this kid, though? He's a five-star quarterback. Harrison Bailey was a borderline five-star quarterback and kind of flamed out at Tennessee and transferred to UNLV. Uh, But is Nico going to go down that road, or is he legit? Is he one of those can't-miss prospects? I'm starting to feel more and more like he is a can't-miss prospect. He's got the physical tools. Power talks about how he was accurate, fitting the ball through tight windows, a lot of zip on his ball. Said the pretty heavy wins at the seven on seven tournament didn't really affect Nico throwing the ball because he's got so he's got such a great arm. But more than that, it was he pointed out that Nico really just his leadership abilities and the way that he interacted with other teammates and his demeanor. And he said he's constantly elevating the players around him, that he's real plays real mature, but also loose at the same time. Kind of that baseball mentality that we talked about, where you've got to you can't play tight. You can't be pressing. You can't put too much pressure on yourself. So it's like he elevates the play of those around him was my biggest takeaway. And I think that's so important for a quarterback. I think that's what makes Joe Burrow so great. I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks with way more physical tools than Joe Burrow that can throw the ball further, that can, that are faster, that, that may be more accurate. But Burrow's just got that kind of special thing about him that he makes everybody else around him better. He makes people believe 
It made the Bengals believe they can make a Super Bowl run, and nobody would have predicted that before the season. And you see some of those same traits in Nico because you've heard it from other places, but and it's consistent that we're hearing this about him, that he's just such a great teammate and a great leader. And Tennessee hasn't really had a great leader at the quarterback position in, in quite some time. I mean, yeah, you, you look, Dobbs was really the last one. And what did Dobbs do for you? Beat Florida, beat Georgia. Was I mean, he's the best quarterback of the last, what, 15 years, yeah. realistically speaking, um, for, for Tennessee. And, you and, know, Tyler Bray had more physical tools than Dobbs. He couldn't run like Dobbs, obviously, but he had a bigger arm. He was just a more naturally talented quarterback, but he didn't have that leadership ability. And that, you know, like we're talking about with Nico, and that's, I mean, that's what I, that's my biggest takeaway from all of this this weekend. Absolutely. Any, anything like that makes me feel so much better about a recruit because there's, there's been such a formation of a culture around recruiting that is all about, you know, these kids getting clout and I don't blame them for that. You're 17 years old. You have thousands of people telling you you're awesome and you, you feel yourself and you go like, I am awesome. I want all the social media followers. I want to be that dude. When I show up, I want to be the starter. I want to get my playing time and, and all this. And it's it's really built of a culture of that. And you can, you know, we, we can talk about the, the pros and cons of that whole thing at another time. But it's made me cynical about a lot of recruits because there's so many guys that show up with that kind of attitude and then they flame out. Um, and, and so anytime I see something like that, I go, mm, that's a red flag. I don't like that. You know, they're they're kind of they're talking about social media a little bit too much. Talking about social media more than they're talking about football. I don't like that. <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. And to see these sorts of accolades coming out for Tennessee's biggest recruit. Obviously, we have talked at length about how he is recruiting for Tennessee really actively and really seriously and doing an incredible job there and we're going to get to a big development there here in just a second. Um but uh you know, we, we've talked about that, but to see outside of that whole, oh, he's recruiting for Tennessee thing, to see these actions for him as a player, as a leader. And it's not about how he wants more followers on Instagram. It's about how he's a leader on the football field and he has this charisma and he has these traits that have historically made quarterbacks great. It it makes me I, I don't want to I don't want to put too many expectations on the kid, but it makes me feel differently about him than I would if it was just a five-star designation that he had. Like, that is one thing, and that mm -hmm. is incredible. But these added things just take it to a whole other level where I go, man, that's a good sign. That's a really, really good sign, and it's something that you want in a player, and especially a quarterback, because it's, it's a signal caller. It's the leader of the offense. It is the guy with the ball in his hands on every single possession and, and every down. Like, that is the dude you need to be the leader with the charisma and and to to bring those those traits to the football field and to see it already for a kid that's this 18 or whatever he may be uh it's huge i i love love seeing that and and it's nice nice to hear even though we haven't seen him play a, a down of football yet yeah he does he does seem extremely mature for a kid that's that's still in high school you, you see interviews with him and he's talking about other recruits he's talking about his younger brother i mean he's 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 really never making it about himself he's always building those up around him and i think it has a lot to do with his background uh his dad gave an interview to the athletic 
of last week, I think, or the week before. He kind of talked about that Samoan background and just their culture and how one of the big points they drill home is that nobody's ever bigger than the team, no matter what. And Nico's going to be the most high-profile athlete in Knoxville the moment he steps on campus. He already pretty much is. He's going to have these huge expectations. It would be very, very easy for him to have a big head and to be kind of arrogant. But he, we haven't seen that from him, and I don't think we will because of that background. I mean, that's just something that they make a priority. You're not going to act like you're bigger than the team. It's a team sport at the end of the day. It's about winning a championship, and that's kind of the mentality that he's going to bring and why, you know, just another reason. I, I don't want to say any any players bust proof because there are no sure things we've seen some great players not pan out but you know if, if you've got to make a wager on will nico pan out or not i can't imagine that you would bet against him and his development it is always a gamble with any any player especially with one that has this much hype coming in but if a kid is going to have this much hype this is the type of stuff i want to hear mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of the bottom line and it's uh, what you're what you're saying there like yeah nothing's a sure thing and he could still come in and and be a bust but i am feeling better about him not being a bust than i do for a whole lot of other players <laughs> some guy i mean genuinely i think everybody who's listening to this and follows recruiting decently close knows exactly what i'm talking about that some of these kids do and you go that kid's attitude is just not like he is not going to come in and work hard. You just know it. You see it with some of these guys. Like you just know he's not going to be that workhorse dude. It's out there for first guy on the practice field and last guy to leave. Like you just know they're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and some guys are so talented that it doesn't matter. That absolutely happens. But if you get the combination of the talent and that kind of drive and that kind of leadership and that kind of maturity, man, that's a, a phenomenal combo. So hopefully uh, he, he does uh, become that. And, and that's, that's good stuff. Any, was there anything else with that? Cause then we'll, we'll move on to this Carnell Tate news also that's sort of tangentially related to, uh, to Nico, but was there anything else with Nico? Uh, no, just w- when you talked about the bust and stuff in college football, I think there's, we see so many four and five star bust at times because they're really just being, evaluated based on pure athletic abilities. And there's a reason that NFL teams take weeks and months to debate prospects and have them in for interviews. And they ask these questions. We see them on Twitter all the time, these dumb questions like, you know, if you were in an ocean and there's a dolphin and a seal drowning, which one do you save first or something completely absurd like that? I mean, they there's stuff that they can glean from those answers because they're trying to figure out is this kid going to work hard like you're talking about? So it, it's it's like Nico is passing all of those tests. It's something that I don't think teams – it's hard for them to take into that stuff into account. It's not like you can go out and talk to every kid's teammate, every recruit's teacher. Uh, you, you probably have a look at their grades and can, can tell a little bit about what kind of student they are, and that tells you a lot about what they'll do on the field. But I think that's one of the reasons we see so many four- and five-star players not pan out is because these uh, in, things just aren't taken into consideration. Uh, and I, I think that stuff's highly important with every recruit, but especially at the quarterback position. So it's it almost feels too good to be true for Tennessee, but 
maybe it's just a sign that that things are going in the right direction and going to turn around soon. Hopefully, I I do always say, like when when you talk about the NFL and you talk about the NBA, you know these pro leagues. The big difference is that is that it is a job. It is an mm-hmm. occupation. They expect you to essentially clock in nine to five, and you you are gonna work hard and you're gonna do the things that you need to do. And if you don't do them, we will fire you. Like that is it. And and the thing is that we. Nobody likes to say it, but it is true. <laughs> College is the same way. It shouldn't. It arguably shouldn't be. There, there should be a, a learning curve. And but when you come in and you're playing in front of millions of people on national television and in front of a hundred thousand people in an SEC stadium, and that's the expectation, and it's a, it's a program that generates billions of dollars, and you know all of this stuff that comes with college football, it's effectively the same. And to really, truly succeed, like I said, there's some guys with so much talent that it doesn't matter. But to really, truly succeed, if you are not that guy, it's a ton of hard work. And it is it is clocking in nine to five and put your nose to the grindstone. And you want to see those traits in some kids. I mean, you, like some of the perfect kids, their dad just worked. He just worked. He has the sack record in Tennessee. And and that's that's the difference uh, in this. Who Who is willing to to be that just carrying the briefcase guy clock in clock out get the work done do what you got to do and so ho- hopefully nico is that we shall see but uh on that note nico a guy that he has been recruiting very hard is carnell tate a five-star wide receiver uh, according to the on3.com consensus rating a bona fide five star, the number two wide receiver in the class of 2023, the number 15 player nationally, uh, the number four player from the state of Florida. He has a 51% chance of choosing Tennessee. Nico Iamaliaba has been heavy on this dude trying to recruit him to the Vols. He has visited Tennessee and uh, they have made the hard sell to him. Now, in this last week, I believe. He said on Instagram, he will be announcing his uh, his commitment soon. We were hoping, admittedly, with the history of the show uh, that we've had, we were hoping that during this recording he would he would commit. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but you know, maybe I can. Let's knock on some wood back here. Uh, we we have a few minutes left while we talk about him. Uh, and what uh, what happened there with with Carnell Tate, Zach? Yeah, I think really nobody. It, it, it's it's between Tennessee and Ohio State, pretty much. Notre Dame is kind of lingering there. I think he he's originally from the Chicago area and it, it goes to IMG Academy in Florida, where so many players have, have transferred to. It's kind of like a pre-college experience because you're living in dorms and this and that. But uh, I don't think anybody fully knows because NIL is going to factor into this pretty heavy. I know nobody wants to really talk about that and think about it, uh, but Tennessee and Ohio State are both going to give Carnell Tate a, a good NIL deal to, to go there. So I don't think this comes down to like who's paying the most money because I think that 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 market's starting to kind of set itself where we're kind of starting to hear like what players are getting or going to get or expected to get. I think it's going to come down to legitimate recruiting ability. Now, Ohio State's a tough school to beat. I mean, you got Ryan Day up there. He's done some great things at Ohio State. They're usually in the playoff or right on the cusp of the playoff, Tennessee's kind of trying to 
get to that level, but then you've got a player like Nico who's kind of spearheading this class and really wants Carnell Tate, is close with him. There's other players at IMG that Tennessee is heavily after. I lean towards Tennessee winning this still. I think there's just too many positive things that have been said about Tennessee, the visits he's taken, who he's been surrounded with. It wouldn't shock me if Ohio State wins this battle because it's recruiting and it's very fluid and, and can change day to day. I mean, nobody ever really knows what a recruit's going to do. Even when they've told you what they're going to do, they still often do the opposite of that. So I don't think there's any really good, strong predictions that have been made about Tate that are going to be 100% accurate. But my feeling is that it's probably going to be Tennessee. You know, maybe it's kind of getting closer to decision day, so some some doubt creeps in there because you just, like I said, you just truly never know. But I, I think Tennessee's going to win this one. I really hope so because this is just we we talked about uh, Francis Mojoa last week, and Carnell Tate's right in that same group of dudes who are it would it, they're an earth mover as far as a commitment, like uh. A, a guy where other recruits look and they go, all right, they got Nico, they got Carnell Tate. I'm, I'm going to hop in because this is, this is good. This looks really good. Like they're really going somewhere with these guys. And it, it's just, uh, I mean, you can't say enough. Like this would be an invaluable pickup. You do never know what these guys, cause it's, there's so many different factors. It could be, I have no idea what his, his home life is like, but like, mom wants him to go to Ohio state, but he really wants to go to Tennessee. Like there, there's so much stuff that can come in into play there down to the last second. But he, what was it exactly that he posted on Instagram? You, you posted it on Twitter. Um, and I think, did he say that his decision has been made? Like he, he's made his mind up and he just needs somebody to make his recruiting video. I think was yes. what he said, right? Yeah, that is, uh, that's what he said. And he didn't really, he just said like next week or two. So really could be any moment. Like we have, no idea when when it'll happen. And the whole the whole like making a commitment video thing is is interesting to me. So like he he finds somebody to make it. And and I've seen like some of these recruiting services will will do it so that they can get an exclusive on the commitment. I think the the ethics of that is kind of questionable <laughs> considering what they do. Um but I, you know, at the end of the day, it's just college recruiting. I don't think it's that serious. It's not like it's, you know, insider trading or something. But, um, you, you know, you, you could question somebody's uh, objectiveness if they were to <laughs> make a make a recruiting video for a kid. Nonetheless, it uh, doesn't really matter. Um, but I want, like, who do you go to? Who is who is making these? Because there's so many different, like now with the NIL stuff, you've got like some of these collectives are running clear. I think kind of clearly, if you sort of pay attention, they're like running Instagram accounts and they're running Twitter accounts that have access to these kids. They clear like they are, they, they let the recruits like take over their social media and answer questions on the social media and stuff. So is it going to be like those will, will it literally be like the collective that makes it? I don't, I don't know. Um, but somebody, if Tennessee is who he's chosen, get on that quick. With somebody help him, give Mick, get him a video. Somebody quick. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, in the past, we've seen like the recruiting services do it. We've seen rivals help out with stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you see, even if it's not a commitment video, you see all the time like rivals or 24/7 Sports will have a 
pre-taped interview with the kid explaining his decision that obviously had been taped days before you know yeah so it is it is a strange thing like how do you report on what a kid's gonna do without spoiling his moment and still kind of trying to be objective it is a strange i think the recruiting reporting world's a strange world anyway that i really would never want any part of it's a it's a weird kind of grind where uh, we talked about it before, but you got to text 16 and 17 year olds all day and try to figure out what in the world they're talking about or planning on doing. And often you're going to be wrong, even though they gave you good information, it's not your fault. And then everybody's going to blame you, the reporter for it. It's just a, it's a thankless job. It seems like it, it is. I, I am kind of continuously skeptical of all recruiting reporting because a lot of times it is just for, you know, they, they get an interview with a kid and he says, oh, I liked Tennessee a lot. But he he's just kind of saying that for the mm-hmm. interview. And, yeah. and you know, you, the recruiting site gets the clicks and that's great. And the kid gets the exposure and that's great. But you kind of take it with a grain of salt and you go like, OK, he's just kind of saying that just to be, you know, you, you sort of have to be skeptical in that way. But I, I will say with those analysts, a lot of the time, if you see an analyst prediction. And Carnell Tate does not have any. He's, he has two predictions that were for Ohio State, but they're from like months and months ago. Um, so I wouldn't put any stock in those. I think Tennessee has come on really strong lately with the visits and things with him. Um, but uh, when you see those predictions, like you saw it right before Nico committed, those guys started making predictions. And a decent amount of the time, that's because that kid is like making a commitment video behind the scenes. And like, they know that that's the decision that he's made. And they're saying like, here's my prediction. When in reality, they know in two weeks, like they've pre-written an article and it's already done. And they've done the interview. Like you said, like they already kind of know. So you, it's kind of two things. Like some, I'm extremely encouraged when I see a prediction like that. And I'm also skeptical of the reporting a lot of the time. Cause I go like, is this really, you know, is this really meaningful as far as how this kid feels? It's it's a weird a weird weird world in a in a strange industry and God bless the guys that do that as a job. Uh, I think if you I think if you're in that world and you do it every day, you probably have a good feel for when a player's being honest or when you can believe a player. Even then, you probably still get burned. But I know personally, I, I don't dive into that world a whole lot when it comes to talking with recruits and uh, kind of on that beat, I guess you'd say, I don't really do that, but there have been times where I've done it. And I remember, uh, I went to Shy Tuttle's commitment whenever he committed to Tennessee. I had a pretty good feeling it was going to be Tennessee, but it wasn't a lock. I thought I might be wasting my time. I wasn't sure. And I remember talking to his high school coach before the commitment and he told me, yeah, he's going to be at Tennessee next year. And even then I still watched the ceremony and watched him commit. And there was a small part of me that was like, he could easily, you know, put on a different hat and go to <laughs> Clemson or whoever else it was that was pursuing him at the time. Like I, I never believe it until they're signed until they have yeah. signed and they're enrolled. And even now, thanks to the transfer portal, that doesn't even mean anything because you can sign and get right out of your, in a, in a uh, national letter of intent and head elsewhere. So even that's not binding. Uh, anymore like it used to be so i really maybe it's just tennessee sports that are giving me major trust issues i don't, I don't know <laughs> we just lived through one of those uh one of those traumatic events just another one. Oh, here's the national championship team <laughs> not quite <sighs> oh tennessee 
we we love you, even though you two, psychologically two, uh, torture us. Two conference championships, a seven and five regular season in football, uh, the number seven offense in the nation last year, and we still find a way to be cynical. It's stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Always, this is the way for the Tennessee mm-hmm. fan. How how can you not be at this point? That's that's why I always say when when people comment on our show or whatever and they go like stop saying that this is what tennessee does teach me how to think that way please i am so scarred fourth and 16 uh what what are some of the other good ones rick barnes always losing in the ncaa tournament this with baseball like what am i how how do you do it please teach me i need the help yeah i don't see it ever changing there's there's 15 years of of heartbreak to erase. That's not going to happen overnight. Tennessee could win every championship and every sport next year. And I'd still be like, all right, so what, when's the really bad thing going to happen? When's it going to happen? I do. I do feel like though, there is some pressure taken off now that we've broken through the conference championship wall. Yeah. That's, it's going to be huge for football. I mean, good Lord, if we make it back to the SEC championship game, first of all, it means you beat Georgia almost definitely. And that's a whole thing in itself. Um, but with, with basketball and baseball, you go like, all right, we got that out of the way. I'm not going to be that nervous about that anymore. That's fine. And it kind of takes some of the pressure off of the whole college world series thing. Cause you go like, we got a championship under our belt. We've done that. It's that's a nice little release. Cause it, we had had that hanging over our heads for so long. Like Tennessee hasn't won a SEC championship in any major sport in however long it was. I, I don't even know. Um, I mean, I guess I technically it would have been not 98, right? That would have been yeah, the last uh, one. In Lady Vols outside of that. Oh, well, I guess men's major sports. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. Lady Vols won a national championship in 2008, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Tell I maybe I just need to go to an actual therapist. Maybe that's the <laughs> that's the move. I don't know. Tennessee, Tennessee should pay for the the therapy. It's it's their <laughs> fault. Mike Hamilton and Dave Hart specifically should pay. <laughs> I'll I'll send Dave Hart a, an invoice for my copay for the therapist. Um, I think that's it. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Anything else for the good folks at home, Zach? Before we we head on for another week. If if Carnell Tate commits in the next hour, it still counts because he might yeah. be confused oh, yeah. in what time zone we're in. So that's just, you know. I'm I'm almost like delaying. I'm like, maybe let's check Twitter one more time. Should we Same. filibuster for the next three hours? Here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it could be it could just be too soon. So maybe next week is the week. Yeah. So he's the, he he found the video guy this last week. They're going to make the video this week, and then next Monday at at lunchtime, commitment time, baby. Yeah, you got to sleep on it over the weekend. Make sure you're uh, firm in your decision. Exactly, exactly. Just give it, give it till Monday. It's the best decision you'll ever make. I guarantee it. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so 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 much for listening. Um, I know the I've already made the thumbnail for this, and it's going to piss some people off. Um, oh yeah. So it's apologies for that. Um, let me just say, but, but if my, you actually listen, which if you did, you've already made it to this point. So I'm telling you something that you already know. You won't be as mad if you actually listen to the conversation. Exactly. Oh, we're going to get so many, so many Facebook comments. How can you say that Tennessee baseball is a failure? 
we didn't. We didn't say that. The thumbnail says that. Well, the thumbnail asks the question. The thumbnail just asks the question, is Tennessee baseball a, a failure? Yeah. And then if you listen, we're actually incredibly optimistic. So yeah. that's your problem. <laughs> that's it. Thanks so much for listening. A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. A to Z Sports on YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe. Click the little notification bell on the YouTube. Blah, 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 blah. You know the drill. You made it this far. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.